0: of treasuring Christ by looking at Paul's letter to the Colossians. Uh, it is a joy, a privilege to consider these words. This letter is significantly impacting to me and just a view of ministry and, and what, the, what the church can be about and focus and mission and, and, and worship and in its community. And so hopefully what we find in these words is just this high view of Jesus And who he is and what he has done. And what that means for our lives individually as families and also as a church. And my aim and my hope is that from it we just have an ever increasing desire to treasure Christ in all these ways. And we treasure Jesus most of all. And that we see that shape the way that we look at life and live it out. And our passage this morning starts into this prayer. Just for that. That we would treasure Christ more. So let's read Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 and 10. And we're going to consider it in two parts. One this week and then next week we'll look at the rest of that paragraph as you're looking at it in your Bible. Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 and 10 for our morning. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. God, we come to these words asking for you to do a good work in us. God, to pray that you would help us to rest in you and trust you and And look at this as word; these words as words of life. So, by the power and work of your Spirit in our hearts, would you do that good gospel work in us this day? Be with the preaching, the hearing, the receiving of this your word. We ask in Christ's name, Amen. There's an axiom of sorts that many of us kind of live by, whether consciously or not, or at least we would like to live by. Good things are better enjoyed in moderation. Good things are better enjoyed in moderation. You can apply that to pizza. You can enjoy that, but in moderation. Ice cream, shopping, a new song. Maybe you're like me, and you get a new song that you like, and you overplay it, and you kill it before the day's over. Anybody else do that? I do that. There's definitely wisdom in that axiom. It is wise to enjoy the good things in this life in moderation. But it breaks down when it comes to treasuring Christ. When it comes to treasuring all that God has done for us, And is doing in us. And will do through us. It breaks down when we start to consider the enormity and magnificence of all that God has accomplished in the gospel. All that he has graciously done. That axiom breaks down. Because when it comes to the gospel. When it comes to gospel fruit in our lives. Moderation is not the aim. In fact, more is better. More of what God has done and its application in our lives is better. Not moderation. More. And that's exactly what Paul begins praying. Praying for the believers in the church. And here we have it in the word and we have it many, 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 many years later. And it's the same prayer for us that we would have more of this gospel fruit. My hope, my objective as we're considering this passage is that we would prayerfully pursue more gospel fruit in our lives. That's what Paul wrote. He wrote to them to say, I'm prayerfully pursuing for you on your behalf. I'm praying and pleading and longing for you to have more gospel fruit in your life. And that as we go about growing at treasuring Christ what we'll find is that treasuring Christ and growing at it will bring more transforming gospel fruit in our lives and how we go about living them more feels a little selfish at first doesn't it to to come to church and hear the pastor say you need more it's okay to actually want more go get more ask God for more more of his grace fruit of it in your lives and so as we look at these two verses and as we continue continue next week to round out the rest of paul's prayer in verses 11 through 14 i want us to just consider what it means to be growing at treasuring christ and the first part is as we grow at treasuring christ we will long for more and more of the good stuff and i put it that way on purpose As we grow at treasuring Jesus, we will long for more of the good stuff. And then secondly, as we grow at treasuring Christ, we will look more and more like the good stuff. You long for it, and your life begins to look like it, reflect it, image it out. Let's consider those together this morning. So first together, uh, we will long for more of the good stuff. Here's something that happens with gospel fruit in our lives. It changes our pursuits. Gospel fruit changes our pursuits. Notice how this is a prayerful pursuit on the Apostle Paul's part. Prayerful pursuit of more gospel fruit. And so when Paul thought of the Colossians to whom he is writing, he thought of a number of things. Last week we saw first he, he thanked God as he thought about the Colossians, as he was writing to them he, he stopped and he, he rejoiced and he just gave God thanks for the gospel fruit evident in their lives. And we defined that last week as what it said there in verses 3 through 8. As faith in Christ, love for the saints, a hope fixed in heaven. He rejoiced that those things were evident in the people that he was writing to, thinking about. His head and his affections were thankful for all that God was doing. And now what we find is that Paul is purposeful in prayer. So he was thankful as he thought of them. And now he is purposeful in prayer for more fruit in their lives. For more fruit. He rejoiced over the fruit that was there. But that wasn't all the, the, that he wanted to express to them. He wanted them to know that that fruit begets fruit. It means more. More. It means more of it in their lives. Now, it doesn't mean that because he's praying for more, that that which God does in you like diminishes or wanes or loses its luster. The value stays incredible. The value of the gospel, the value of God's grace doesn't diminish. And by praying, he doesn't mean that the gospel and its fruit sort of hangs in the balance by how you are feeling or doing that day. No, there's something overwhelmingly sufficient about God's grace. So it doesn't lose its power in your heart and in your life. Rather, what Paul's doing in his prayer, he's focused so much on the source... Of gospel fruit. That he pleads. For more. He longs. For more. In the lives. Of the believers he is writing. The source of the gospel fruit is God. And this is wonderfully. Trinitarian. That we find in this passage. By God the father. Through the accomplishment of the son. And the application of the Spirit, believers, sinners like you and me, experience the overwhelming grace of God. And we are to long for more of it. This longing that we see Paul praying, this longing that should mark our lives, has several reasons sort of backing it or or sort of foundational to it. The first is something we considered last week, and that is just the sheer goodness of gospel fruit. You should long more of gospel fruit in your life, an increasing faith in Christ, an increasing love of the saints, an increasing hope that's fixed in heaven. You should long more for more of it in your life because it's just good. It is the good stuff. It is the good stuff of this life. This is what God has brought into your life. He has brought into you something that was never going to just come about. He radically rescued you. He radically brought new life where there was only death. He radically took away the penalty of your sin. He radically adopted you into his family. He radically is preparing a place for you and he will radically one day return and say, here is home. Dwell with me forever. The sheer Goodness of it should cause us to long for more. Now, I did this last week with fruit salad. Well, you get a good pizza, right? You have a pizza place. When we first got here, moved here, one of the first questions I asked was not like, hey, how did you come to know the Lord? I asked, where are the good pizza places? You get a good pizza place. That's your your guy or your lady, I guess. And you, you, that's your go-to place. You want more. It's good. When we are tasting the, the sheer goodness of what God has done for us, it creates a greater appetite in us for more. You ever sit down for a meal and you're not hungry, but as soon as you start eating... In the midst of actual eating, you're you're getting hungry and you don't know what in the world is going on, but it's so good. You know what I'm talking about? Or am I crazy? Or both? The sheer goodness of gospel fruit. Long plead with God for more in your life. Second reason is that there are serious threats to you Facing you every day to distract or dissuade or detract you from treasuring Jesus. You are facing serious threats to that. Part of the reason why Paul wrote this letter is to deal with bad teaching heresy that was having a profound impact on the lives of people in this church that he's writing to. They were getting distracted by this heresy seeking to pull them off of Christ and to add a bunch of other stuff. And then then you can be more Christian. There was something that Paul had to deal with firmly. We don't know the exact heresy, but if you were to take what Paul is talking about in this letter, you get the sense that it was attacking the sufficiency of Christ. They were facing a serious threat. So why do we long for more? Because every day we live, we are facing threats, doctrinal threats, spiritual threats, threats in our own hearts, the world, the flesh, and the devil. They conspire to distract us from treasuring Jesus. So you long for more because of that. Third reason is that's an longing for more gospel fruit is aligning. To God's purposes in your life. I'm going to say that again. Longing for more gospel fruit in you. Is aligning to God's purposes. In your life. God has sanctifying purposes for you. Sanctifying is a word that just simply means. He desires to grow Christ likeness in your life. That your life would reflect greater Christ likeness. That's his purpose. He wants to conform your life to reflect more of Christ. Now, this longing is, is backed with these reasons. And, and I want you to take, some, take a second right now to think of times in your life when you longed for something. Good or bad, you longed for it. Your attention was fixed on it, wasn't it? You were set on that. Your mind, your heart were set on it. You pursued it. There was some action that came with it. So your head, your heart, and then your life were actually ordered around it. Think of a girl who thinks a guy is cute. Mind is fixed on that. Life was ordered around that. I'm going to go the long way to my classroom. Was backed with some action, or think of the position at work that you want. You feel like you're qualified. You make all the the way efforts to to get to know what is required, and, and you want to make sure that those above you are knowing of your interest. Or maybe negatively, a fix you wanted to score to drown out noise in your own life. Whatever. It might be or have been, there was fixed attention meeting purposeful action. And I want to ask you this morning have you applied that to treasuring Christ? Longing for the good stuff. Have you applied that to treasuring Christ? Have you fixed your attention on the strength of Christ to shoulder God's purposes for history? Have you fixed your attention on the sweetness of Christ to sit and eat and laugh with sinners? Have you fixed your attention on the sufficiency of Christ to carry your sins far away? Have you fixed your attention on the nearness of Christ to call you his own, even as you doubt? Or the truth of Christ to confront, to correct and to comfort your life. Or the power of Christ to hold all things together and reconcile the church to God. Or the joy of Christ to be your companion in the sad and the sorrows of life. Or the glory of Christ ascended, reigning, ruling, and one day returning. Or the sympathy of Christ who knows your human frailty and draws near. Or the grace of Christ. That comes to us in our most graceless moments. Have you fixed your attention on that? Have you dug through scripture like a kid or a grown up. Who geeks out at the latest update of his video game. Looking for all the Easter eggs. Have you applied that energy and focus and purpose to plumbing God's Word and finding Jesus on every page? Have you fixed your attention to it? Have you sat down with someone and couldn't wait to get out all the things that have been exploding in your head, and your heart, as you are finding Christ on the pages of Scripture? Or... Is your Jesus so small and so insignificant that you're kind of embarrassed by him? Like he's some dated old piece of furniture you had since you first got married. Or is he your treasure? Is he your treasure? Passage, parable that Brian read. It always strikes me. With great joy, the guy in the parable sold everything he had. With great joy, he saw Christ as a greater treasure, and the cost was nothing. Have you fixed your attention on him like that? Have you dwelled in God's word and found it dwelling in you richly? It is a treasure. Paul longs for the Colossians to have more of the good stuff because it is good. And because threats are real. And because God uses more gospel fruit in our lives to bring about more of his purpose in us. And that is greater Christlikeness. So as we grow at treasuring Jesus, there's stuff that changes in us. Our thoughts change. Our heart starts to change. We start to be transformed. Our affections are changing. Our appetites are changing. God is changing us. And it's for good reasons to become more and more like Christ. And that's our second point. Hopefully, we, we long for more of the good stuff. And as we do, we will look more and more like the good stuff. What we find is that gospel fruit fills and fits our lives. And I'll explain that in a second. Gospel fruit fills and fits our lives. Look back at our passage. So he's longing, he's asking that you may be filled with, with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. To be filled and fit. First, we are to be filled to know. Paul Paul prays so that believers would be filled. Asking that you may be filled. Paul uses the imagery of filling figuratively, meaning it's not so much about like, The idea in your head is like an image of a cup being filled with water. It's not sort of spatial feeling, if you will. It's more of having an increasing character that is resembling what God's purposes are for your life. That He is changing your character, the content of your life, to reflect more and more like Jesus. Our lives will reflect that which we treasure. You become what you behold. You become like that which you behold. And what is to be characteristic of people treasuring Christ is an increasing knowledge of how God would have us live. An increasing knowledge of how God would have us live. To be filled with the knowledge of His will. Now, knowledge of God's will can mean one of a couple of main things. It could mean having knowledge of God's big picture, mysterious purposes for all of redemptive history and all the intricacies of all the things that God could have his mind on. It's more like the things that God decrees, right? These are the mysterious plans that God has for, like, the cosmos and time and space. And matter. And and nobody in here as and there are some, some bright folks in this room, nobody in here has the mental capacity to really truly grasp all of the intricacies of what a sovereign, perfect, eternal, infinite God would have. And so it might mean something else. That's knowledge of God's will can also mean his specific purposes for how we are to live the things that he prescribes, the things that he would call for us. And so God wants us to know who he is. He wants us to know his character and worth. He wants us to know how he rescues us. And He wants us to know how we are to live. And the context of our passage shows that this knowledge is about how we are to live. In light of treasuring Christ, how we are to walk. Pleasing to the Lord. And so God fills us to know that. But what does he fill us with? It says spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now this is referring to that of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit in us. It's not referring to some mystical drawing from whatever. But it is, it is the Spirit at work in us. And it's actually pulling from a pretty cool Old Testament reference. Exodus 31 Verses 1 through 3, God's giving Moses instructions for how things are to go. So this is what he says. The Lord said to Moses, See, I've called by name Beza, Beza, we'll just call him Beza, uh, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Listen carefully. I have God speaking to Moses about this guy who got called to a specific job. I have filled him with... With the spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship. And he is to design and build with a team of others, the tabernacle. God filled him with the spirit. Gave him wisdom and understanding and knowledge for a very specific work. Paul prays, the point in Paul's prayer is that he prays that the believers would be filled with the Spirit so that they would skillfully build their lives to follow Jesus. God cares deeply about you. He cares deeply about how you live because he knows the good stuff. So Paul is praying that believers would be filled with the Spirit so that they would skillfully build their lives to follow Jesus. Why? Well, because it's good, because threats are real. And because it's God's purpose for your life. So here's something important that we have to wrestle with. God's greatest good for you. Is not so much what you do. But what you become. God's greatest good for you. Is not so much what you do. Although what you do is important. It matters. It's significant. But it's about what you become. And that is more like Christ. Many of us struggle with attaching our identity to what we think God wants us to do rather than understanding our identity and what God wants us to become more like Christ. So we twist that up and we think if we're not doing what we think God wants us to be doing, then somehow we're we're not nearly as loved or we're not nearly as accepted or we're not doing it right. And some God's going to be angry. Well, God's main chief purpose for you is to make you more and more like the one who rescued you. Your identity rests not in what you do, but in who you belong to. It rests in the person of Jesus. And God wants you to be more like him, not merely in function, but in character. I want you to see that Jesus is worth it. His Value is infinite. This is the greatest good for you. So that in all the things that you do in life, no matter what they might be, transforming grace of God in you is very much at work. You're teaching kindergartners. Or running some business as a CEO. If you're living out your life, pursuing what God would want for you, whatever you do, do it for the Lord as you become more and more like Christ. Now, failure to treasure Jesus will show up in a failure to reflect Jesus in your life. The high school students, you were sitting all together over here the last few weeks. There's just a few of you, but now you've like sort of dispersed. So I don't know what to do about that. But anyway, I was going to look over here. So you four, I'm sorry, but you're getting all of this. Um, you regularly go to class. But marginally put any attention while at class. You're there, but with marginal attention and just enough effort to not get noticed, right? Just enough. And you go home and you don't really have a plan to study uh, and know the material. And your main objective is to basically look at it the night before. So, in a reasonable, non-sarcastic answer, what do you think will come as a result of that Yeah, I was there, but not really approach to your class. So when a test comes, that grade reflects that reality. Likewise, for all of us, when life is hard or harsh, or when vague, wishy-washy, bad doctrine seems to grip our attention, And if you put that with a very, very casual, nondescript, treasuring Jesus, what do you suppose will happen? What are we going to reflect? Go about chasing something to ease our anxieties. God's purpose for you is to reflect Jesus, to treasure him, Long for more of his grace in your life and to reflect him more and more in your life. And that's what he says. He wants them to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now, we might read that and think, oh, I can't do that. No, you can't. Our English sort of betrays a little bit of what's at at stake here and what Paul is saying. So I said at the beginning of this little sub-point that we're to be filled and fit. A gospel fruit fills and fits. So let me help us here when we come to words like walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. It's more like fitting to the Lord. To be fitted to Christ. Paul further unpacks his prayerful pursuit. He prays that believers would be form fit to Jesus. That Christ, in our head, our life, our thought, would be the mold by which our lives are shaped to. And as that happens more and more of his character would be evident in more and more of our lives as we are being shaped to the mold that is Jesus. He's the one that rescues us. He is the chief mold, if you will, for how our lives are to look. And so Paul prays that we would walk or live fit to Jesus, shaped to Jesus. Now, you might say, what would that look like? Let me give you something wonderfully practical to do individually, as a family, around lunch or dinner, coffee shop with other people. Let me give you three familiar passages. Look them up, read them. You know what these are. I, I'll say them, but you'll know. First one's Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Fruit of the Spirit. Little ones in here, learn it, memorize it, sing a song to it, right? And the, their parents learn it and sing it too. Or take First Corinthians 13, four through eight, usually hear it on a Saturday in the summer, right? Love is You know that passage. Or what about first, or excuse me, Philippians four, eight and nine: Whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is noble, whatever is awesome, essentially. Think on these things. Here's here's the exercise I want you to do. Whether it's by yourself or with your family or with somebody else. Read those passages. And before you start thinking about them as something that you're supposed to be doing, do this. Those passages are describing Jesus. Jesus is the perfect display of the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus is the perfect display of the love is passage. Jesus is the perfect display of whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is awesome. Put your mind on that. Start there. Instead of worrying about what you're going to do, start with how Jesus is the perfect display of these passages. And then start, how would that change? Then how you would start thinking about those passages. How would you change your prayerful approach to those passages? Oh God, give me a heart that sees Christ as the fulfillment and display of these things. May I long for more of that in my life rather than how shall I go about doing more? Love is not rude. Although that's important and you'll get around to it. I would encourage you to start with seeing Christ as the perfect example and display and and, and sort of fulfillment of what those passages say. And then plead with God. To know him more. To have your life form fit to that. And then you can start to. Think down into the practical stuff. The way in which you live. And when you read those passages. Put Jesus' name in it. Take Philippians. Finally, brothers and sisters, Jesus is true. Jesus is honorable. Jesus is just. Jesus is pure. Jesus is lovely. Jesus is commendable. Jesus is excellent. Jesus is worthy of praise. Think about Jesus. And then plead with the Lord for more. And more of that fruit in your life. God cares deeply about who you are, how you live, and what you become. He has supplied for you in every step of the way. And God's purposes for you is good it is to know and resemble Jesus. And there's no greater good for your soul than this, and no greater grace than that God has made a way you, yes, you, to have this good in your life. May we long for it more and more and look like it in either, even greater ways. Amen. God, we pray that you would encourage our hearts with this prayer that we see in Colossians chapter one, and may this prayer be our prayer. May we long for more of the gospel be at work in our hearts. May we long for more of our character to reflect that of Christ. May that resonate with us. May you do a good transforming work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.